Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I am Mark Marin. This is my podcast. I am broadcasting from the road. I am broadcasting from a motel room or a hotel room. What is the difference? I should know that, right? I'm broadcasting from the eighth floor of a hotel in Houston, Texas, after just eating some amazing Indian food. I, I, I bet you didn't see that coming. Yep, I just there's a place here in Houston that I go to all the time I'm here. And me and Delray went. I'm traveling with Dean Delray. He's a, he's been opening for me here in Texas. No better traveling companion than Dean Del Rey. You know, when people ask me, well, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do? And I think really one of the great pastimes of my life is driving with a, a buddy who understands what's happening and is on the same page for hours, you know, in a relatively straight line through a very flat state, just blasting hard rock music and uh, playing air guitar, occasionally playing a little air drum, uh, even I've, a couple couple beats of air bass with the head rocking, and uh, with just you know, shivers, man, chills, great time. We had a great drive. In the last part of it, we were weaving through a good chunk of Texas, and you can really see the beauty of the state of Texas, which there is some. You just have to understand the context. It's very easy to dismiss sort of like Texas. Ugh. Who wants to drive through Texas? It's a lot, but if you if you frame it a different way where you're like, Texas is, is, is its own thing, which it definitely is, uh, and you appreciate that thing from within it, the small weird towns that were built by Germans, God knows when, you know, brick buildings, uh, large ranch lands, strange structures, even the RV park with the Confederate flag fits into the framework. And there is sort of a, a beauty to it when the hills start to roll a bit and the sky gets big. You can feel the expanse of the country of Texas. Uh, it is sort of pretty stunning, especially when Highway to Hell is blaring and you're both laughing. So we drive in, we get to Opie's Barbecue, which of course is a regular stop. Man, it was like arriving on, on the, a beautiful planet because Kristen over there who owns the place, she knows me. She always takes care of me. We look at the meats. We get some uh, brisket. We get some baby backs. We get some spare ribs. Get this, this jalapeno cheddar sausage that was fucking insane. 
and we just sat there. It was glorious. What It was one of those days, I don't know if you have days that you remember like this or whether they still happen to you where it just, everything just times out, right? You know, we had a nice time on the road. We jammed. We had like, you know, just a you know, legal, a legal good time, a legal good time. And then we arrive and we celebrate with this huge, uh, beautiful plate of meat. And then we, uh, we go back, go to our rooms nap and go do a show it's fucking it was fucking beautiful man and like and dino's just a blast to travel with i don't know if you listen to dean's uh, podcast let there be talk but he talks to all musicians and you know musicians are starting to dig it and i uh i'm recommending it to you again and he's, he's getting pretty good on stage too he's kind of fucking giving me a run for the money you know what i'm saying say it's hard to keep the guys opening for you when they're giving you a run for the money right Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin is on the show today. Betty Gilpin, of course, my co-star in Glow. And, of course, the uh, the star of a movie that no one will see, uh, The Hunt, uh, which was pulled by uh, the distributor uh, because of pushback from, uh, uh, I, I believe, mostly people ignorant of the nature or tone of the movie who were on the right side of things. Not correct side, the right side of things. But Betty is here. I talked to her in the garage. I love her. Uh, we love each other. Uh, I love working with her. And she's a, a tremendous actress and an, a, a very enjoyable person. So that is happening shortly. Now, brace yourself. Chuck Woolery uh, came to my show in Austin, saw me and Dean. Chuck Woolery is friends with uh, the woman who, uh, who owns Opie's, and they both came. I always tell her to come. She enjoys the show, and she's brought Chuck before. And a lot of you, got, you a lot of people know Chuck is a sort of, a sort of a, a very virulent voice on the Twitter and the airwaves. A very virulent uh, Trumpian Republican voice. Uh, I don't know. I haven't gone to his Twitter feed, but I know he came to the last show and and was respectful and enjoyed the show. Enjoyed the intelligence of my performance. Was not. Uh, mean-spirited there and he came backstage so last night and he it was just uh, the chuck willery you know from television G- nice guy telling long stories about uh, how he started in show business because of his relationship with jonathan winters the amazing comic it's just an odd thing it's a very odd time there was a time before everybody wasn't public and had an outlet to spew their uh, political bile that, uh, you know, people's politics were just their politics and, you know, you could still deal with them as people. It's a little challenging uh, when when everything's out there, I guess, for everybody on both sides. But, you know, he was a perfectly pleasant guy and he was respectful. And uh, I don't think I changed him in any way. I don't think any of my message got through. I do not think he went to Twitter the the next day and uh, pulled back or, or rethought some of his stances. But uh, he did take it in. And I imagine there were others in the audience. I'll tell you one thing. For anybody with a certain point of view that is right wing or what have you, to, to sort of be respectful at a, a presentation of a performance that involves free speech and a fairly severe uh, attacks on the current order uh, and religion and be tolerant of that and, and be, uh, you know, sociable and, and, all, and actually uh, entertained is not nothing. It is part of bridging the gap. And I, I guess I have to believe on some level it is a bridgeable gap. But then there's the possibility that those people are just going to come up to your face and be smug and bully-like and 
condescending, knowing that they've got their, you know, boot on your throat politically at the current moment. Don't know. Don't know how to read it all the time. So this morning, before we kind of changed the entire tone, another beautiful situation. Dean and I got in the car this morning from Austin, and for the drive from Austin to here, we uh, went straight Grateful Dead. Literally one concert on the Sirius station, the Grateful Dead Sirius station, got us all the way from Austin to uh, Houston, and it was uh, glorious. Knew most of the songs. Dean, not unlike me, uh, not so latent uh, Grateful Dead fan. Dean, a little deeper into it, but uh, just to sort of the kind of lyrical movement through the smaller highways from Austin to Houston with one concert from, I think it was like 1982 all the way down, uh, like almost three hours. And it was, uh, again, complete opposite of the musical experience the day before, but completely uh, as engaged, different vibe, different conversations, uh, kind of a little more open, a little more free-flowing, a little more... Uh, uh, kind of like, a, I wouldn't say spiritual, but, uh, but you, you know, you look at Texas in a different way when you're, if you're listening to ACDC's Powerage or you're listening to, uh, you know, Stella live, Stella Blue live, you know, it's just a different thing. And, and again, good traveling companion, good times on the road with Dean Del Rey. Dig it. So, did I mention the name of the restaurant? Pondicherry. Pondicherry is the name of the Indian place that I go in Houston. It's in kind of an upscale office park mallish area, but uh, just just astounding Indian food. All right, so Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin. Betty is here, and we had a great conversation. Now, we do talk a little about a movie that she starred in that she had a very challenging role in and and. Uh, thought it was she did a great job but no one will ever see not for a while anyways we do talk about the film the hunt uh which was a satire that was pulled i was it by i don't know who the distributor was i should know but i don't but it was uh it got some flack from the uh right wingers who were i think basically ignorant of the subject matter or where it went because it was a satire but given that they're fairly numb to satire uh it probably would have been more along the lines of what they believe should happen, but they uh, immediately pushed back on it. I guess the studio crumbled and they pulled the movie, but uh, Betty did, uh, you know, fight to get that part and did a great job in it. So we talked about it. And I think as a conversation uh, about acting and about the business, you know, I think we'll keep that in there because it's important. And maybe someday we'll get to see her work in that film. You all, you obviously know Betty from her work with me on glow. And I think the big news is she's nominated for an Emmy in the category of outstanding supporting actress in a comedy series. And you can watch season three of glow. It's now streaming on Netflix. And uh, as I said before, we recorded this conversation with Betty uh, before it was announced that the movie she made, The Hunt, was being shelved by its distributors. So so you can watch uh, me and Betty in uh, season three of Glow and hope and hope that she wins. 
This is me and Betty Gilp. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now where Wherever you get your podcasts. The trick is, I guess, from what I understand in the human, uh, is uh, gratitude. Okay. How are you with the uh, gratitude? I'm good with it. <laughs> I, I feel very grateful. You do? Do you? But like actively? Like, is it, does it happen naturally? Because uh, I think I need some help. Feeling gratitude. Yeah. Do you like naturally feel like I'm so. I can't believe this is happening. This is great. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. Everything. I, I'm not so good at that, I guess. No, <laughs> uh, I mean, I wonder, do you feel like you're in trouble because uh, you've made your brand to be, like, non-gratitude guy? Well, I'm, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a hard time with the whole branding of people thing. Totally, I mean, yes, of course. Yeah, I have my problems, and maybe, you know, I do honor them more than I should, but I find them genuinely, genuinely, you know, pretty full of dread and a bit, you know, cranky uh, about mm. things. And I, sh- and I Authentically. Try not- Authentically, unless I'm totally by myself and I have nothing to do, then it's great. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I can just play guitar, you know, read a book, not worry about anything for an entire day, right. not worry about other people. Great, I'm sensitive, I'm open, I'm vulnerable. As soon as, you know, other people- Outside stimulus. Or an animal pees on something, it's fucking over. Right. Then it's sort of like- So well, is that right. a defense mechanism? What, that, what? To be barnacly, probably. Mm-hmm. But like most people, the people that uh, that I get along with, you know, there's all the people that say I'm an asshole or I'm neurotic or I'm cranky. They just uh, they don't have the code, right? Like you, I mean, you have the code pretty much. You know, you were able to see that. Well, this is this guy's doing this thing, and he seems like a pleasant person in there, sweet guy. Yeah. yeah. Right. But a lot of people, oh. they, they don't, they stop it. Like, oh, I have the Mark Marin code. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I feel like I, I saw you from the very start. I know. We talked about that in the last time. Okay, and I felt we like, can. No, we can. We got, initially, I think that uh, I was intimidated, but uh, but then you cleared it up. You just said that, uh, you know, you just put on this thing. doesn't mean you're being an asshole, but you just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we both share the like, we have a kind of fuck you vestibule that people need to walk through in order yeah. to get to the seven-year-old who wants your love. Yeah. And a lot of times my the buzzer in mine doesn't work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For is, sure. People point, keep hitting that buzzer. Yeah. 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 Mine's, mine's boarded up often yeah. as well. Well, yeah, I think it's important though, don't you? I mean, I don't know. I, yes. It, the the risk you run is that you know people judge you as something that you're not. But but you know it, I I think so what? Yeah. Well, it's also I've been thinking a lot about. Yeah. It feels dangerous to like. It's like the blessing and the curse of having 
access to your authentic self and yeah. having that be part of your job. Right. I just really worry about it sometimes that we're going to take that open channel to that self for yeah. granted and that when it has a price tag on it or when too many people are looking at right. it, then that channel's going to be cut off or something. Or, or else it's be... like it's going to become inauthentic because you're aware uh, that it's marketable or something. Yeah. Like you're going to overuse it and it'll just wear out. Right. Or like... <laughs> I don't know about that word. Do you find like... Don't, isn't it like new that authentic is this word? Right. It's yeah. weird. I don't know. What I know. I've been thinking about it a lot. I don't even know what it really means. My authentic self is seven. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think we're all like, oh, my God, the world is ending. Like, right. we're, you know, let's talk about how we're all like shitting our pants and trying to touch God. Like, who who yeah. are you really? Let's hold hands and, like, feel the apocalypse together. But I feel like there is a branding of that now. And yeah. Like a branding of yeah. vulnerability right. that is so fucking scary to me that, like, you know, like, doing press and having to answer the same questions over it's and over again, yeah. I feel this thing where, you know, you're kind of like, oh, to protect that, central non-vestibule self yeah. I'm actually just going to like sound bite this version of it right. so that when I feel that question coming I'm just going to hit play they'll get the like commercialized vestibule version and I'll protect my inner inner self but then I feel like sometimes when I'm talking to someone I'm like oh my god you're giving me a tape recorder vestibule yeah. answer right now right. and I could be anybody and right. you just sensed a question coming that you knew so you launched into this like talk show story Patter. Or, like yes yeah. that now I've ceased to exist in the conversation right like, yeah you're just supposed to do your pre-recorded thing and yeah. he does his pre-recorded thing. Right. And then he, it's weird. All these vestibules, I don't think there's buildings attached to it. Exactly. It's fu it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> that is what I'm feeling. I'm yeah. like, okay, I've spent, right. I feel like in selling our show right. and selling myself and yeah. trying to like, you know, fucking use this time to get to a, or like career, whatever, to get to another level or something. I'm yeah, like, oh gosh, I've, yeah, it's disgusting and not real. But like, I'm like, oh gosh, I've spent a lot of time in this like selling commercial vestibule. I'm just going to like quick go back into the basement. Holy shit, the door's locked. Like, uh, oh, I, I yeah. feel like I feel myself yeah. wanting to have an existential crisis, right. but I'm trapped in the vestibule and there's like a t half tube of lip gloss and like a dead baby. Like they're like, oh yeah, we don't have the actual existential tools for a crisis right well, now. Well, yeah, the basement's locked and everybody outside's laughing. Yeah. They're like, oh, see, we got her. Yeah. Now she's one of us. Yeah. Welcome to the vestibule. Right. But then the, the for women especially, mm -hmm. I would say the vestibule, you're not a like you expire from the vestibule. Like they don't let you, gotta you go stay back into the house. There. It's lucky you have a house. Yeah. It's lucky it's connected to a building, I guess. But now I'm terrified that like when my tits are in my shoes and no one wants me to like memorize lines anymore, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to head back into the house and the house is going to be like completely empty with one nail and I'll just like live out my life eating boxes of special K and realize like when I was in the vestibule I forgot to like water my Prepare. friendships yeah. and marriage and read Moby Dick right. and be a real person with roots in the ground. Right. But at least you have you, you know your cereal choice and it wasn't a common one. 
Special K is yeah. not common? Well, I don't know. It's something I think people grow up with on the East Coast. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But it's good to have a cereal. That's elitist to like Special K? No, no. It's not elitist. I just associate it with my grandmother. Okay. Like I don't know. <laughs> In New Jersey. Well, I just know. It was I like a, one of the. I am a grandmother person. Well, no. It was one of those original weird healthy cereals. It wasn't really healthy. Right. It, like it, it wasn't a kid cereal. Yeah. I guess that was like probably I was never like anorexic but I was too depressed to like think about vitamins and protein and yeah. I special K was I, I ate like 12 bowls of special K a That's day good. and that was it did you put fake sugar on it uh, oh, oh, like <laughs> five tablespoons of white sugar oh good I mean, oh, right like, the white sugar I wanted Real it sugar. to crunch yeah well look, okay so okay we deal with the same thing because I think uh, we're similar in that it's sort of a chore to do this dance Mm-hmm. And and the and what you risk when you you are like sort of sensitive or smart is that you're going to you know alienate people or say the wrong thing right and then when you try not to do that it's hard not to hate yourself. Well, I also think we're similar in that like we've we've uh, found a way to use our demons in our work. Yeah. Like. To- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's interesting because that's a that be you know once you process some of your demons, it's that's who occupies the vestibule. Yeah. So it's yeah, sort of like, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, we can be in the house going like, look at that asshole just out right. there doing the work. Right. Yes. Totally. Yeah. But sometimes it feels like you're on a book tour with the demon, and they're wearing like bows and lip gloss, being like, "Yeah, I'm so glad that we're working together." And you want to be like, "Also, fuck you, yeah. still." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard when you're struggling with the demon in front of people. Yeah. It's not great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it happens a lot. Like with me, it's with anger, though. You know, like because I feel it come up if I'm performing or I'm in stand-up or whatever, even in acting to a a degree, Mm -hmm. that there's a moment there where you're sort of like, you know, fuck this. Right. Fuck it. Yes. And like you want to say it, but, you know, thank God you've learned enough to be like, you know, maybe keep that guy. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. As long as you keep like throwing them a few steaks, being like, see, you got got to come out of this show tonight. What do you want, ice cream? that fun? Have some ice cream. a little walk. Now back in the house. I'm going to go to the vestibule, read a magazine. So what do you, are you running around all day today? Am I running around all day? Like doing press? Um, I'm doing, uh, <laughs> Natasha Leone and I are doing a thing for Variety. So I've, I've got like- Like a talk or a photo shoot or what? A f- I, both. So today, I'm my, the theme of my day is talking to cranky, intelligent people. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't have a raspy voice and I, I speak at a pretty reasonable <laughs> clip. Yeah, but like when I read Just Kids, I was like, God, it's such a shame that I don't know anyone like these people. Well, I know two. <laughs> <laughs> I know Mark Marin and Natasha Leon. Have you seen f- video or film of Patti Smith when she was in that era? She's almost like feral. Yeah. It's crazy. She doesn't even talk. Like, you can't even identify her accent. Oh, yeah. She's like a living E.E. E. Cummings heroin needle yeah, just, sea captain person. Yeah. I, I met her one time. You did? Yeah, I did. In a, New York? Yes. I did a Sam Shepard play. Which one? It was a new one that... I mean, RIP, I don't know that it would have been done had it not been written by Sam Sh- It was like a, a nonsensical really? poem. Yes. Huh. Was it a later thing? Yes. It was a, he had, he wrote it on a typewriter and 
brought it to the first rehearsal and it was the only copy. And some intern was like, I'm just going to quickly make copies and like freaked out. I've still so got did it Kerouac it. style? Yes. It uh-huh. was all very Kerouac. Like in the rehearsal process, we weren't allowed to ask questions. Huh. And Sam was there? Sam was there. Um, Sam was there. <laughs> was he there? Yeah. And like he... You know, you and Sam have a weird relationship. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, Sam, you made yeah. you made Sam's demon hungry. Is that, <laughs> is that what happened? Yeah, is that a nice way to frame I it? I would say that yes, with love and respect. <laughs> um, he's still my hero, and that experience was fucking unbelievable. But like, we weren't allowed to. Like one day, he was like. He interrupted a run and he was like, just remember all the colors. And we were like, you mean like the tones of the scene? And, now he, and he was like, no, 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 like blue, purple. In general. Keep going. Yeah, we were like, what? <laughs> we never address colors. And pl- okay. But yeah, I played a mute uh, ghost nurse. Huh. Mm-hmm. And it, was there any backstory? Uh, well, Mark, <laughs> I wasn't allowed to ask questions. Right. So you just kind of. I wouldn't have been avant-garde. Run with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was sort of like his return to. His roots of, you know, doing kind of like like he's a nobody and he's experimenting, and this is what he yeah. returned to. Yes. So how's Patty play into it? Oh, oh, she came. She was was close with him and came to a performance and then like floated into our dressing room and held my face. Really, and it, it was insane. I was like, this is the greatest. That must have been the, that must have been amazing. Yeah, it Did, was, was incredible. Was anything said? Um. I can't remember. I just remember being like, you're the craziest looking person I've ever seen in my life in the best way. I mean, like, that's what I'm I feel like she watered her demon into becoming Patty Smith or just was her. Like, my dream is to have in my house Patty Smith behind the door of the vestibule. And that's what it is. Yeah. back there. Well, I think what that well, I think that I saw her once and, and she if they're if you're going to use the word authentic properly i think she's it yes that it, i think what it is is that it's an integration of self to to a point of of acceptance where you know you are who you are and that's really it yeah and and you're not apologetic about it yes right yeah and to get there and maintain relationships in a career is tricky yes because <laughs> in order to for it to appeal to the masses or mm. for it to get you health insurance you kind of have to trojan horse it into <laughs> what primarily you're doing. for the health insurance <laughs> right, so whatever yeah. you're going to do to try to get that health insurance is probably going to make you sick <laughs> so you lucky you have it yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a human yeah, centipede. Yeah. Of I've really stifled a lot of myself to get here, and now I <laughs> yeah. now I have cancer. So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that role worked out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can go to the clinic. Right. I can go to, go over to Bob Hope anytime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now I have pain to draw on for my next role. Yeah, if I make it, if I make it. Yeah, right. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, so they did. I, well, they wrote Cowboy Mouth together. I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's all these black and white pictures of them like sucking I on know. each other's tongues and. The Lower Side or something. Yeah, it's so hot. But was that? But for for me, like, well, I'm older than you. But I mean, that those were just a, a few years older. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, not a lot. A lot older, Betty. <laughs> I'm fucking a lot old. I'm almost your father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I they 
I I romanticized that whole era and I romanticized those people right. and they were like the the mythic people to me that you know they were the like that whole scene and the beatniks and all that stuff heading into my intellectual yes. and creative life those were the people right and it's weird as I meet a lot of them now like I had Bruce Dern was sitting right there where you were yesterday yeah. they're just people and they're weird but right. they're they're just people and it, but they I don't know what it is I don't know how many of your heroes you've met but it. it the ones that can still maintain hero status after you've met them as people, those are the, those are the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> or also like hero status and also like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to think about you filling out a W-2. Like, I just want you to exist as like your poem well, barnacle self. Don't meet him. Yeah. No, don't don't talk to him then. But honestly, that's how I feel about you, Mark. What? I feel like I know your- I don't your... fill out my W-2s. <laughs> I've evolved to the point where I have a guy do that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, can't, I, I can't comprehend that. <laughs> um, no, but I feel like I- I feel like I know the person in your house yeah. in the inside, yeah. and like I'm not interested in the vestibule yeah. person. Oh, yeah. Like I would. <laughs> that's why. That's why when he came over, I, I was almost crying. <laughs> I was, like Betty's coming over, just you just talk, you do the interview, and then you show up. You're like, how are you person? Like, no, no, what do you mean? Like, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, that's what I I rather have. Like I. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I I want to keep it that way because I I know we don't like really know the ins and outs of our logistic lives. Yes. But I I really love you. <laughs> and I feel like on a barnacle poem mon- inner yeah. monster basement level, yeah. I really know you and really love you. Yeah, I feel that too. I don't know when that happened exactly. <laughs> I don't either. But it, it was, but I think I think it's it was because, last season. Yeah, but I think it's because when we first met, we were like, let's not do the vestibule stuff. Yeah, yeah but then, but, but also let's not really talk to each other. Well, I think I was also like, <laughs> I don't want my demon to be activated by... Uh, well, but in By like my a demon? no, in a good like I was like I don't want to start like a punny flirty relationship, yeah, and then yeah. have to have that like fizzle and then be like weird. I was right. like, let's just not do that. Part. Like, me, yeah. I was, I was like, that's my, that's probably going to be the thing yeah, I'm going to try I, to do. Right? Yeah, not, not as a you doing it. No, as a I would, I would have jumped right on, and then it would have gotten really uncomfortable. <laughs> yes, and exactly. It, and it would be like you know, no, we can't. I got it. And then all right, so what do we do now? Right. It's just awkward for as long as the show goes on. For. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are things I could say in in general about you know the whole process that I probably shouldn't say. Okay, and maybe after. Okay, great. <laughs> and then I'll get you out of my house. Okay, yeah. The, the, the... <laughs> <laughs> gotta go. I gotta. Yeah. No. Bye. bye. <laughs> Good. Nice talking to you. And then I close the door first. and go like, oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, we were so close to, oh, man. Now I hope there's no fourth season because it's all fucked no, up. No, there has to be. I need health insurance. I got to get What are you doing movies? I don't think I know. What are you talking about? You if you do, have... but I know. Of course, you don't know. But if you do, you know, one independent movie with the kind of like where, where you're at in your career, you get your insurance for a year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just don't know. Like the the whole thing about being grateful, which I really am. I also am like... 
just always trying to be like, this is going to go away in one second. So be grateful. But like, I just, I get very embarrassed when I hear people talk about like, and now we're in Versailles forever. It's like, we're we're really not. Yeah, We're going to be replaced in a millisecond. I, I've always had that thought, and I, like I still frame my career as like uh, I'm happy to make a living. Like I, right. you know, I obviously I'm doing okay. I don't have uh, a wife or children or debt, and mm-hmm. like <laughs> which is good. I'm very happy about yeah, all that. Yeah. But like I still frame it like I want to continue making a living, and I, I don't want you know health insurance is nice. It's nice to be able to go to the clinic, but I, I do frame my career like that. Right. I, and I think there are other there are people that don't. There like I don't know like when we talk about levels. Because I, I have that in my head that like what level am I am I at and how do you get to this other level and what is that level the level where you know you're surrounded by people you pay to be around you mm-hmm. you know at all times right you're insulated yeah uh, you, you know you you become some even if you don't know it you become a monster yes. and a monster like you've never met before like you don't even know that monster yes until yes. Yes. you're enti- until you enabled yes. And I don't know what the fuck it's a happens shallow, to people. Shallow, uninteresting monster. I don't know what happens to people, and I don't know. Like, in, in when we talk about vestibules in the in the house, it's like in, about authentic self and about authoritarianism, which I'm adding now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you better know who you are when the shit goes down. So yes, yeah. yes. Because I I sort of say that and I think about it. And I'm not sure why I'm thinking it, but like you know, these questions of self and that kind of stuff are yeah. they become real relevant. Yes, but. On some level, it comes down to like, you know, whether I like it on a day to day basis or not or whatever, you you know, the struggle is to do the work. You know, the work is really what is the most important. It it becomes more relevant to me than my social life than because this is like where where you're present. It really happens. And and then the rest, you know, seems to be patterns. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or that like you forget why if you're if you're so focused on. I don't know. I've been feeling this a lot that mm. like so much of my life as a girl and a woman and an actress, it's like running from this monster snapping at my ankles. Like it's the special K depression monster. Your monster. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My own. The yes. Self judgment monster. Yeah. The, the, the monster that says you you know you're shitty. You're not. You're... Yeah. Or the monster that's like this is all cute, but when you're ready to yeah. stop running, I'm gonna eat you, and we're gonna like not kill ourselves, but like stop calling people back and sit and be sad, be sad, get for- fat forever. Yes, yeah. yeah, and just really take it into like an Emily Dickinson place. Yeah, I feel that. Like I feel like, but don't you find though as. You know, you've been doing well, your career, if you want to, you know, what, however you frame your life's work, mm-hmm. you know, you do okay, you're making a living. Mm-hmm. But don't you think that, like, sometimes when some of those problems are solved, that when that feeling of, like, I can slip into this darkness very easily, it, it is a little countered by, by some success? Totally. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like in this running with the monster snapping at the ankles, we're, like, running towards this light of, yeah. like, oh, if I just get there in time and put enough distance between me and the monster or, like, the balance, yeah. then I'll be able to survive. But in order to do my work and to be alive, it's, like, sometimes in a scene or in a talk with you or in a moment alone, I have to stop and let the monster, like take over for a second and like inhabit me and then right. I'm like okay yeah, yeah, yeah. okay and now it's time to run away because don't stay there too long because then you you'll fucking cross over yes but right now in this second like this 
week or whatever, I feel like closer to the light than I ever have been. And I'm kind of like, ooh, where's that monster at? Like, I know. It looks the, like uh, a plat. The light is actually like made of bugs and plastic. Like, I feel like I'm seeing around the corner at like that next level that we've all been like scrambling for. And right. it looks like maybe nothing's in there. Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> yeah, or, or like, what do I do when I get there? Yeah. Like, what? Because what, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I. What do I even want to do? What do I like doing? Exactly. Do and maybe the monster is going to stop chasing me when I'm there. Maybe yeah. the monster is not going to want to hang around there. Yeah. Yeah. And it, then I'll just be a sucky vocal fry Voldemort person who's yeah. trapped in the vestibule. Like, or worse, being, maybe you're not in the vestibule. You're actually outside with a lot of choices on your hands, and you're like, I right. don't know what to do. Yeah. You right, know, like yes. if I'm not fighting with that monster and he's just sitting there. Right. Come on, why aren't we playing anymore? Yeah, yeah. Like what I don't I don't really know because you you know, you spend your life in the struggle and you know, happiness or what you like to do or you, you just sort of I I don't I don't know what those things are. Yeah. Do you? No, I don't. It's fucked up. I don't. <laughs> like when people ask me, what do you like? Well, occasionally uh, uh, ice cream's good. I play guitar. Right. I listen to music, but don't you want to? Yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah, I've been doing like this is the first. I know you've d- done this forever, and I feel no. like this is like the first year I've had to do like talk shows and stuff. And I feel but that's like fun, isn't it? It is fun, but I am having this reaction. I, I totally. It's so fun. You I know can't how to believe... be funny on purpose. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to be funny on purpose, but I also <laughs> feel like. I, I, there's this like gremlin inside that's like, does anyone have like a cup of soil I could eat, or like, <laughs> I feel like I'm just make sure you ask that the next time you appear on a talk show. It's like, there's just water on my mug. I asked for dirt. Yeah, Is there could dirt? I have? So I just want to like eat some soil, like put period blood under my eyes, like I'm a baseball player in like a feminist apocalypse, and just be like, Rah! yeah, that should definitely be your next next Colbert opening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave out the period blood. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Because also there's this crazy thing where when I'm on a talk show, I- I'm also in this weird genetic island where my tits are the size of printers. Yeah. They're in the air right now. Yeah. Like I'm when I'm on a talk show, I'm I have makeup on my knees, on my hands. I've got fake hair in my head. I have fake hair on my eyes to yeah. look like my lashes are longer. Yeah. There's shading that was uh, started for drag queens that yeah. now they're using on girls, young <laughs> girls to change the shape of our face. Yeah. I look like a porny poodle version of myself, like an avatar video game version of myself to go like tell a story about like to like cutesify my depression in right. a soundbite. It's crazy. But you, you have choices. I mean, you don't have to put, wear all that. I mean, the boobs are going to no, stay, but right. I mean, you don't have to do the other stuff. No, exactly. I, I'm not saying like, you oh, just and go out now there with I'm jeans. forced to I do like this. it when your hair is just down and, you know, <laughs> yeah. no makeup-y. Yeah. Well, apparently, I like that too, <laughs> <laughs> but it's strange. I, I always play the girl whose books I carried in high school, yeah. that, like who is a girly alpha, yeah. like the other porn girl. poodle person. And oh, you it, play them when you're when in roles, yeah. Yeah, and it confuses me that I'm like, oh, am I here for the 
Patty Smith basement stuff? Or no. <laughs> or am I here for the porny poodle stuff? Because that stuff's going to expire. So, like, are you guys going to, like, trade me in in a year when... I think you... But I feel... You know what I feel for you is that you'll you'll level off. You'll be comfortable. you go out there. <laughs> you know, you'll just be like, you know, maybe you'll travel with Patty Smith to talk shows. That's, that's by the way, a huge stretch that I would ever think that I could ever... T- I just mean, like, my inner... I should be, like, my inner fucking Avril Lavigne that I think is Patty Smith. No, come on. <laughs> but like, but let's, if we go back though, because the theater thing, like I, I became sort of fascinated and I don't know, I don't think we talked about this the last time. I, I, I know a little bit of what we talked about, but what, on an acting level, yeah. what's interesting for me, like once I got to know you and Allison and then I, you know, I did scenes with both of you, you know, uh, more with you, the, another, you know, the second season or whenever it happened, but it's like, there are these two schools of acting just sort of like you're New York and she's LA Uh and there's definitely a a different approach right you know in a sense that you know when you when I watch her you know the way she makes choices and the way you know she locks into things you know there there's definitely a different approach to acting that I think is an LA thing whereas in New York you know you're rolling around mud soil period blood <laughs> doing poetry being mute yeah you, you know that, wasting our money but crying you come, about our childhoods but I don't know if it is a waste do you uh, I mean maybe it's a waste if you look at it from the outside like I know that's one way to look at you know the process of acting classes like how many people really make it out of there with uh, with chops or with the ability to act and how many people are just kind of you know processing problems right. but it seems to me that all that stuff in the way I did it on stage publicly on my own volition, I do think it amounts to something. Yes, I do. I, I I think it amounts to being able to trick your brain into going from the vestibule into the house. And fi- like in theater school, I feel like I filled that house with an ocean of weird yeah. and like dark images and uh, explored the weirdest, darkest non-vestibuliest parts of myself that I can then access. Right, public, right. So you you were able to to sort of like, you know, when I talk to people who start comedy, I say like, at the beginning, you have nothing to lose, so do whatever the fuck you want to do Right. so you can figure out what your territory is on stage, you know, like where you can go. So like once you go out there, right? and you know, it's like you own that space. If you want to use it, you don't always have to go out there, but you know you've been there. Right, yes, yeah. And I think it gets trickier to go from your, like it it is a mindfuck to me that a day on set starts with two hours of me porn poodling myself or like professional artists yeah or yeah. any like when oh, i right. play a lawyer it's yeah. two hours of right yeah. <laughs> painting and sculpting yeah and then to be like okay and now i'm gonna go into my work day where i have to like try to swim in the ocean of weird and right and forget that I have to also pay this toll that you've been uh, you've been designed as an object for the male gaze. Right. Yeah. 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 Here you go. Now go be you. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or go be someone else. Yeah. Like go oh, right, access right. Yeah. demony people inside you. It's hard to like. Like sometimes I'll look down at my sides, and I'll have written something where I'm like, I'm like okay. All right, people are adjusting my, okay, suck it in, be here, um, get shoulders back. Um, okay, someone's sewing the thing on my boobs so they don't hulk out in the middle of the scene. 
All right, and we've touched up the lip gloss and Al, we're teasing the hair. Okay, I'm looking at my sides and I've written down on this line to have a homeless witch come out of my throat and grab Mark's eyelash for dear life. Huh. I don't know that I know how to do that anymore. <laughs> it's, I'm glad that you used to. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I do. Sometimes I really do. Is that part of, you do? You write poetry to, and you're, and that's your. Or I just like abstractify the fuck out of like in my iPhoto yeah. library. I have pictures of Jonestown. <laughs> <laughs> For, like just you mean those pictures of the bodies? Yeah. Why? Because I find I find it harder to get from that vestibule into the house now. It used to just the door used to just be open all the time when I was oh, doing off of Broadway the yeah. theater that no one cared and no one was watching and the play was bad anyway. I was walking in and out of that house. Well, there's nothing on the line. Nothing on the line, and like I just wasn't questioning my value, I guess, or yeah. or it just was, uh, yeah, yes, I was it, it was the gift of invisibility, yeah. And now that there's some visibility, like sometimes it's fucking harder to get in there right. to, to the part of myself that uh, you know, and that's, is the most valuable part to me, and that's probably exactly what happens to those people we were talking about before when they become this monster. They just get because, padlocked in there. Well, yeah, they can't on like, the other side. Yeah, because the expectations are so intense. Yes, yes. You know, like if you were at operating at a level that some you know uh, actors operate at, and the expectations right. are at a certain level, right? I mean, like just, I mean, I can't, I, and it, I don't know how they do it. Yes, and, and, and that's, and they've been accustomed to the life that that has got them, right? And they have to do it every time. Right. I mean, everyone has to act, but I, I guess what I'm saying is like, you know, if you're forced to live in that vestibule, you, you know, and you're not. Yeah. The, the risks you take are relative to that. You know, how do you get back there? I don't know. And the loneliness of being in that vestibule when you're like, oh, the only form of love and validation I'm going to get is like, like I just went to Comic-Con and I, I did some panel. and For there what? Were, for The Hunt, this movie. and But the panel was like action women. Yeah. Um, and it was right before the Marvel panel, so yeah. there were. It was in Hall H. There were seven, th literally seven thousand people there, and I made a joke. That, so seven thousand people who were there to see the panel after ours. Yeah. But I made a joke, and seven thousand people laughed. I know you're used to way more, but like no, I no, seven thousand is high. <laughs> I don't, I don't. But I mean, like the the wave of like the heroin hit of validation. Yeah. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. That's probably really addictive when you're feeling very lonely in your personal life. Yeah. Like, and it must be hard to then, like, I remember then I called my brother on the phone and I had to be like, whoa, ask him a question. Listen to what he's saying. Don't yeah. zone out thinking about that moment when mm -hmm. 7,000 people laughed at your stupid and check the picture of Jonestown. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, that is why I have Jonestown in my phone. <laughs> like, look at a pile of dead bodies. Yeah, I feel so good. Oh. <laughs> or just like, yeah, the I, I'm just, you know, I want to have a baby someday and I'm so scared I'm going to give birth and the baby's going to be like, 
that's who you are. Oh, come on. <laughs> the, the, yeah, it's, that's the one thing you can fool is a baby. Some babies can Maybe a boy look. baby. No, you a girl baby is like, you, you I see a good, bitch. Well, yeah, but you got six <laughs> years, probably five or six years. Right? Till I what? Till they see you. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> but like your parents, I mean, were they, did you know them too as actors? They're both actors. Yep. But did you see them like do any of that kind of real work? I mean, was there a point where you watched your dad or your mom on stage and, and you know, you saw, you, you know, what made it amazing that did they take chances? Were they that kind of actor? Yes, 100 percent. They, you know, they did. Mo- they were New York actors in the 80s and 90s and still. But in the 80s and 90s, if you were a New York actor, you did mostly theater. And Law what's and your Order. old man's name? Jack Gilpin. And your mom? And McDonough. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, so they're theater primarily. Yes, yeah. I think you would recognize both. I know, of them I know as them. Like, I've looked them up before. I know your right. dad. I haven't looked up your mom. But for the for the public, I think yeah. you would be like, oh yeah, that guy in mm-hmm. like he was in like Funny Farm and Revenge of the Nerds Part Two and Quick Change and like a slew of. My mom was in Moonstruck, like eight bit parts in eighties movies. So you'd be like, holy shit, that person. But I also saw them. You know, I would watch them, yeah, in plays. I remember seeing my dad when I was like seven at a play at Hartford Stage. Um, and he was played a dude who was who left his family. And yeah. he had this monologue on the lawn of his house about like the reasons he wanted to leave his kids. Yeah. And I remember being like, oh, whoa, my dad has like a foot in the river of other humans' thoughts uh-huh. that is, uh, it may, I think it made them great parents because they, I don't know, they put themselves in the shoes of murderers and right <laughs> and well, it's kings. Nice that, that was your response as opposed to like that's what he's really thinking. Right. <laughs> Probably not till later. <laughs> I mean, who are you now? I think about like, oh, I bet there were times where they had amazing days at rehearsal where they touched their monster selves and it felt like God was in the room and they cracked their ribs open and showed their soul to someone and the other person was like, I see your soul. And then they came back to like me having shit on the rug. They were like, (laughs) I'd love to leave now. Like, I bet I'm sure that happened a million times. Do you ever talk to them about acting? Um, a little bit. I mean, like sometimes I'm like, you know what? It's better if you just think I'm a candlestick maker like I, but they know I mean they've got it yeah. on some level there's got to be that weird mixture of pride and and envy yeah to the attention you're getting as an actress I mean I think that oh, I knew you would ask that <laughs> <laughs> I think that um I think I realized that we I think generationally yeah. just approach it in a very different way like I think they were doing theater as I think of, um, mm-hmm. like, there's so much dark shit. Let's build a stage over it and tap dance on top of it and celebrate life yeah. and be ensemble members in this production of Hay Fever and, like, celebrate right. and and escape. Right. And I'm like, let's rip that trap door open and use... That sounds so elitist and like they weren't doing deep stuff. They totally were. But I think I was like fell in love with the magic of it when I was little. And then when I was like 15 realized like, oh, I have um, a darkness in me that might kill me. Yeah. Let's try to funnel this into something. 
um, right. So that that's sort of like, but that I think that comes with the generation that you know identified with those sort of rock and roll heroes and those raw weird people. Right. Like I don't know that their generation had them in the same way. Right. I mean, I would think that in theater, you know, the, like I would think that doing, you know, O'Neill or or a weird ass Pinter play for them was, yeah. you know, that was the edge totally yeah 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 and you know for us is like in life there were these people living these lives right that implied something you know poetically uh um enchanting but dark and risky and you know, you know we we respected and idolized the lifestyle of weirdos yes and yes. i don't think they had that i think that and i still think the weird thing about what we do even with glow and given the world that we're living in currently i still get that feeling yeah. that no matter what i feel you know in my inner self or the house or the vestibule is that why are we entertaining anymore? <laughs> We're in trouble. Yes. You know, so yes. we should all be like just getting, you know, every TV show should be like, how do we, we got to fix this. Right. Yes. But, but so there's always, I think, that element. I think that is the, the nature and the beauty and the importance of, of theater and comedy or whatever, that you are dancing on that board above the darkness. Right. In order to, you know, make sure people don't, you know, drift away into hopelessness. Right. Yeah. Or and, like or the meaninglessness. Yes. Yes. And that our job is now to actually like completely dissemble the structure and be like, let's get down to anything that unifies us at all. Right. And and now, yeah. And also the, the, the counter... The, uh, that the the structure and and the monster that it is 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 emboldened and empowered and you know and, and completely consuming and and destructive. Yes. What's your brother do? I have two younger brothers. Oh, They're yeah. in uh, like a business thing that he's explained to me so many times, and I don't understand. <laughs> it involves a desk and a yeah. phone and yeah. numbers and yeah. calls, and it's important, Mark. Oh, yeah. is it important? Of course, it's, it's important. It's difficult. Is it? Yeah, but it's starting to work. It's starting to work. Oh, good. And he's going to fix it all <laughs> tomorrow. Um, and uh, yeah. my youngest brother Harry has been working on sets in New York uh, as like a in the theater um, or no, in the movies in, in, TVs in, in the TVs oh like um, over at Silver Cup or something yeah that's cool yeah I like those people I love those people it's sort of like how did you guys make this <laughs> yeah. you built a whole thing yeah oh you know? thank god there's people with briefcases here <laughs> <laughs> who can put a subject and predicate I together. wish I could do you know there's always that part of me that's sort of like this seems like the real work yeah. Look, you built this inside another building and we live there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our privileged asses who get to be like Ernest Hemingway's in diapers yeah, being yeah. like, I'm feeling things. Commercialize it. <laughs> yeah. I can't fill out that form though. Yeah. And then there's a guy with a hammer going like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh. This is the life. But they seem to like it, I think. Yeah. I, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I always feel weird about that. It's like when you, can we do another take? And there's just like, I project a bunch of people going, oh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Camera people just like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. yes. Yes. I yeah. mean, it's very weird that we're like trying not to look fat and using our childhood traumas <laughs> to, <move laughs> to like us. coax a ghost into the room in yeah. a scene right next to a dude who's like, Traffic's gonna be fucking horrible. <laughs> like, it's so stupid. It's so embarrassing. Kinda. It's very embarrassing. Well, what is it that you have in yourself? What, why? Then what? 
how do you validate it to yourself? What like because like I I'm finding that the more I talk to actors that uh, yeah there there is a party line on it. Uh huh. You know, I, I which is usually somewhere in the vicinity of like I love telling stories. Mm. I don't know if I ever thought of that. Like every time an actor says that to me, mm-hmm. like I guess they are stories. And you are telling it, but right? That, but it, I've heard several actors say that, like that it's about, uh, you know, honoring the story. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't either. But have you heard that before? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I don't know. I think like it's a combination of trying to touch God within yourself and also distract yourself from the fact that there is no God so let's entertain ourselves along the way well what is it like what is a peak moment for you how do you know that you've done a good thing I think I feel like I've done a good thing when I would say I feel like the little scroll of that has who I am exactly written is so it feels like locked up so far inside and has always been that way and i feel like i've always i've spent my life like trying to shake people by the collar being like you're not seeing me i'm and the person you think i am is not who i am and you're getting it wrong and i'm gonna die before you get it right and that terrifies me and to me when a scene is going well I feel like that scroll is being read out loud and a person's like, I'm reading it exactly for what it says. Yeah. Um, And that feels like church to me. You feel seen. I feel seen and I feel like communion with someone and I feel love um, and I feel like I'm reading their scroll at the same time. And it feels like important, yeah. <laughs> like my life has value and that like life in general has value. But I think as a result, there's so much risk involved in that being your job because it feels so horrible when people are misreading the scroll. Well, I, yeah. And, in and, a but, public, public way. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. But it, I also don't. But it seems like that crosses over into real life. You, you know, like yeah, people project on the people all the time. So I guess that, in, in the sense, you know, they make assumptions based on whatever little information they have about you or whatever their vibe they're picking up from you. But yeah. when it's structured and you are actually playing a role and you put together a character, and you know that there is no need for projection because you are, in a sense, living in that present with that thing. Mm-hmm. So if that connects, you, you know, I can understand how that would you. Know, equate being seen as opposed to because it, there is I think that's the heightened reality of theater and what we do is that you there there's no reason to project that's that you know you're presented probably for the first time in your day or your week or your mm-hmm. life if mm-hmm. you go see a show that you don't have to do that that this is who it is yeah right right so if you inhabit that properly and you feel connected to it then I could see how that all makes sense yeah. Whereas out in the world, when you're doing a talk show and you're you're pornified or whatever right. the porn poodle and everything else <laughs> yeah. is that you become this weird kind of thing that people will project on the celebrity in general or anybody who lives a public life. They're like, right. oh, that person's like this, and we would like each other. And this person, but yes. when you're actually in the character, you have the freedom to engage all of who you are, you know, without the projections because it's defined for you, right? And then you can do it. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to do a thing that I don't know if it's going to work that I like like working with Gina Davis for instance like 
I feel like I met her at the exact right time, seeing that she, who is someone who in Tootsie was the most beautiful woman that ever existed. Yeah. And I feel like they let her cross the moat into the next place because they were like, you're the most beautiful woman that existed. And I feel like she crossed that moat holding her brain in her hands being like, and this is fucking coming too. Yeah. Like holding that scroll. Like I feel like she did that and it's kind of really fucking hard to do. Yeah. Um, And I, I, I'm a hideous goblin. I'm not saying I'm Gina Davis, but I'm saying I feel like I'm crossing the moat for the porn poodle reasons. And I'm trying to be like, and here's the scroll. Also, the scroll's coming too. And that's why I try to write. And it's why I try to like on talk shows, even though I look like my porn poodle self, I try to like, like I tried to on Jimmy Kimmel tell a story about shitting my pants on the set of Nurse Jackie and they wouldn't let me. But <laughs> well, how did that happen? The, the tell person. Her here. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're all ready to tell it to on national television. Yeah. Well, I shit my pants on set one day, and I just feel like it was a. I had to be naked a ton on that show, and I was really trapped in the porn poodle. I started to believe that the reason I was there was only porn poodle reasons and no Patty Smith monster scroll reasons. Well, they they made you do a lot of that. Yeah, a ton. Yeah. You saw my areolas before you saw my face on that show. Right. But I tried to Trojan horse in some Patty Smith stuff. By shitting your pants? Honestly, yeah. I think that that part of me was kicked down the vestibule door and was like, you never fucking forget where you came from. <laughs> so you did it like that in the middle of a take? Or Not like- in the middle of a take. I, w- I had just gone through hair and makeup and that, I mean, that hair and makeup was true porn poodleness, like yeah. a golden birthday cake on my head as a hairstyle yeah. and like teal eyeshadow up to my brow to play a doctor. Right. Um. And like dowry advertising clothes and shoes. I mean, it was. So you snuck away to shit your pants? I, I went through hair and makeup and then was walking to go change. Thank God I was not in that expensive costume and was like, oh, I think I'm about to shit my pants. <laughs> and then shat my pants. And the second after it happened, they were like, we're ready for you. <laughs> you're like, scrambling. I gotta, um, you know what? I'm gonna take a quick shower. The person's like, a, a shower? What? That's gonna set us back two and a half hours. You're in full porn poodle makeup. I was like, you know what? It's just to wake up my body. Um, my head's gonna be out of the shower. It's my process. Yeah, and they walked away, fucking diva. Yeah, exactly. And you're trying to clean shit up. Yeah, and, and I'm like sobbing, having shat my Lululemons. That I threw in the garbage. Uh, you gotta throw them in the garbage. Yeah, you can't wash them. What yeah. are you gonna do? It's like that's gone. It's over. And then it was the same studio as Sesame Street, and mm-hmm. Michelle Obama did an episode of Sesame Street like two days later. Yeah, and they had like guard CIA dogs like sniff all our rooms, <laughs> and the dog came in and looked at me and was like, "You shot your pants two days ago." Yeah, I, I hear. I, 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 I understand. <laughs> yeah, you know you gotta do it. Yeah, yeah. But that dog saw my inner scroll. Yeah. My inner Patty Smith. And yeah, the dog did. The dog. Now the challenge is to make other, you know, <laughs> conscious animals. <laughs> dogs can always see it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's right. That's why dogs are so important. <laughs> they, they see right to it. Yeah. Yeah. And if dogs are weird about it, you're like, I'm in trouble. Yes. Right, <laughs> yeah, I'm in the vestibule now. Yeah. So, what? 
what because I know you talk about it a lot, but do you think um mm. that are we are we in some sort of change around this shit in terms of like uh, you know objectification and and because um, I talked to Gina about it. Some people say I talk too much to Gina about it. Mm. They like I, I actually have been accused a few times of mansplaining Gina's movie and her foundation to Gina. But cool. That was, that's fun. I was no, but I think it was misunderstood. I was excited. Of I watched the movie. Misunderstood. And, and Gina, oddly, that then people don't know this, not a huge talker. <laughs> no, she's very quiet. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. And when you're in this situation, right? You know, I, I'm going to need a little more than like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I will tend to nervously fill in the yeah. entire episode. Right. If, so you're just a man talking. Yeah. Maybe not explaining. No, no. I was ta- I was excited. You know, yeah. but. Um, do you feel that you know, as vocal as you are, even if it's in metaphor, that there there is something <laughs> shifting? I do. I worry. I feel like right now we're at the crossroads of choosing whether we're going to be Kylie Jenner or Frances McDormand, mm. and I think that we're trying to straddle the line. Yeah. And I don't know how long we can do that. Like before what happens? Before we just default into Kylie Jenner. Yeah. And we get trapped in that. Like I you know, on all these panels where we're saying now more than ever and how everything's changed and fixed, I'm in full porn poodle makeup. And I I want to be in that because the male gaze representative in my brain is like, don't let them see your true hideous self. Like, yeah. Well, how do you? I mean, that seems to be like that's that was part of the thing I talked to Gina about is that the, the paradigm is what it is because we've all been swimming in the same ocean. Right. That you know, for generations or for centuries or however long it's been, you know, women would see themselves in relation to men. Right. So they installed that inner male gaze in themselves yeah yeah well the patriarchy forced it to be installed but right yes, but yes. but yeah but the, the the sort of conception yeah the patriarchy was the water we were all swimming in so right. like so like in your life how does that start to change well i think like it's fucking really hard and it's i think like being a woman like i look back on so much of like my sexual experience for instance like that i feel like men take for granted that they have not okay now we're speaking in generalities and it's getting risky but i feel like um most of the men i've talked to their sexual experience has been their inner scroll patty smith has had that experience and a lot of my or girls, it has to be filtered through the vestibule. Like I had vestibule sex for most of my life of like posing and trying to and like um, playing a character or and not really being like, am I enjoying this? Do I want to be here? Yeah. Uh, And like friendships or like just filtering through a Kylie cell male gaze room to try and like pitch yourself to the world to ask it permission to stay in the world yeah um and i think reclaiming those things that were built by the patriarchy first 
is going to take a lot of time, like putting on lipstick because I want to put on lipstick or brushing my hair because I want to brush my hair and not because I'm trying to get a husband before 20. Yeah. But like all these things were founded uh, by a society that we're trying to dissemble, but still fucking exists. I think the the word dissembled as opposed to um, reconfigured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is is probably you know you know better, and, and I think that's what really struck me about the conversation I had with Gina that I you know had both sides of apparently, is that uh, <laughs> you know the idea of of more representation for women and people of color in all different areas of life, equal pay, and and just you know not prejudice on you know on uh, in relation to those things, right? In employment, because yeah. I, I think a lot of what we're talking about it happens on all these you know, these structures of, of the paradigm, but in, but in people's personal life, like, you know, you have a person in your life that accepts the scroll and, mm-hmm. and the house and everything yeah. else, and, and, and you can be seen. And I think in a lot of people's personal lives, they struggle with that stuff, but, you know, some resolution is happening and yeah. those conversations happen, but it's in the, the, the larger world of, of media representation and employment right. where these things are really a problem and they don't really represent how people live their lives. So, right. so I think if you view the challenge like that, yeah, it becomes you know then you're asking something different of creators and you're asking something different of yourself. And I and a lot of times I don't think they want real representation. I think they want fantasy, and I think they want. Well, that's that's what it is. It's like it's so much of being a woman in the world that you're still dealing in fantasy and smoke and mirrors, like. Every time I've kissed someone on screen, they've been at least 10 years older than me. I've been playing mothers of 10-year-olds for 15 years. I'm 33. I'm about to play the mother of a 12-year-old. And I, in my life, am just starting to think about when I should think about having a baby. And, you know, I – a lot of times, you know, even on our – feminist show i'm i i'm i don't know i'm i'm my smoky mirroriest self on that show but the weird thing about that is is i think that in what it speaks to in, in terms of these other roles is that you know i'm not i think that the 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 paradigm of expectations from particular stories and the business that they will sort of in, encourage or the money they will make are kind of stuck Right. So like, you know, you're saying that different stories need to be told, you know, that are appropriate to the lives we're living or to where you are in your life or to Mm -hmm. how this stuff really works. Right. And I think that the, the thing about Glow is it kind of does this interesting thing where, yeah, there's a spectacle of. But the weird thing about the spectacle of object uh, objectification that it presents is is that it's not really sexualized. And I don't know and I'm you know I'm a pretty sensitive, you know, compulsively sexual person. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel that, you know, when I watch Glow, the counterbalance of, you know, the sort of garishness of that particular uh, period of, of sexualization yeah. is a, a little bit much, but it doesn't it's not campy in the show, no. but the counterbalance to to that is the wrestling right. and then to the struggles of these individual women. So it does sort of a, an interesting trick that I think works, you know, most of the time. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And I like I can't um, like in the other thing as a man that I, I'm trying to talk about on stage is that it's not I don't think it's most men's uh, in, they don't, I, I think they lack the ability uh, sort of inherently to be you know empathetic to women in a specific way. They lack the ability to be empathetic to women in a specific way. Because we don't live your life. 
So we really right. have to be taught. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. And it's, a, it's a weird thing, but I think it's true. I mean, you know, we can have sensitivity to pe- the struggle of people. But, you know, what what's happening, I think, in terms of, you know, men and women is that there's a demand to really understand the struggles that are inherent in just existing as a woman. Right. Which yes. is we don't know what that is. Right. Yeah. Because I think you're so used to seeing post vestibule women and you're like, oh, that's just how they are. And you're like, oh, no, I've been first I was sobbing in the basement. Yeah. And then I had to come into the vestibule to smoke and mirrorify myself, wipe my tears and then come out and be like, everything okay out here? Yeah. yeah. Um, You still up? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, like, I think that that's what's so exciting about now is that, you know, it's not this new thing that suddenly we're Francis McDormand finding ourselves. Like, it's it's from centuries ago, women screaming into their hoop skirts, like, sometimes I want to die and sometimes I think that I could lift this table with the electricity in my eyes and yet there's just no part of my day that lets me do that my day is to plan this party and to be quiet and marry that disgusting obese rapey yeah. gargoyle person and take these pills and then be diagnosed with the melancholia yes and, and be sent away yeah, and, and lobotomized like, and, yes yeah and i should have been a ceo but instead i have to like have this beehive hairstyle and give up all my dreams give up all my dreams and hold the needs of everyone in the room in my hands and I wish I didn't have a constant bird's eye view of the pain of the world but I do maybe someday that'll be funneled into like the tunnel vision that this fucker seems to have where he leaves the wet towel on the bed and enacts genocide because he doesn't hold the needs of everyone in the room in his hands. But I actually think a a leader would be best to have a bird's eye view of all the pain in the world and not just rapey gargoyle tunnel vision. I think we're all done with that now. And I think that... And that's the last poem she wrote before she stuck her head (laughs) in the oven. (laughs) You know my alias is Sylvia Plath. Now I have to change it. But literally, I'm checked into the hotel Sylvia Plath right now. Um, (laughs) And they didn't know who that was. (laughs) No one does. (laughs) No one does. Um, I mean, I think that we're having to learn the opposite lessons. We're not all. Some women I know know it from birth. But I, Betty, am learning how to have fuck you tunnel vision sometimes. I think I wasted a lot of time in my career being like, oh, I've found a career where this... Patty Smith's scroll darkness of holding all the needs of everyone in the room and feeling the pain of the world. I can funnel that into a career, but things like ambition and tunnel vision, those are things to be ashamed of. And that takes up too much space. So I'm not going to do that. And as a result, I didn't really work for a decade because I wasn't really like fighting for myself. Yeah. But now I'm learning that. I'm learning a little Trumpian fuck you-ness to, to be like, yeah, I'm going to fight for myself so that now I can get this job where then I can use the beta parts of yeah. feeling the pain. And I think men are using are tr- having to learn the opposite lesson of like, there's not just you in this room. Yeah. The, um, and that woman next to you has been sobbing into her hoop skirt for 300 years. And maybe you should ask her some questions <laughs> because she's going to be your president. Oh, no, but then she'll just keep talking. Right. <laughs> right. 
That's going to go over well. Here comes the talking. (laughs) 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 But what is this... um, the movie that they didn't set up a screening for me to see and that I'm we can only sorry. talk uh, limited. It's okay. I, yeah, but okay. I hear it's amazing. Well, is I'm ex- it amazing? I think it is. Did you see it? Yeah. It's uh-huh. called The Hunt. Yeah. Um, and I would say in in light of what we're talking about, this is the first time that I feel like I there's no vestibule at all. Like oh, yeah. I'm just my gremliniest, like McDormandiest, like Avril Lavinius crystal meth self yeah and are i'm you, afraid you... i'll be executed for it i mean like just because i'm like oh you mean God. betty's afraid she'll be executed career-wise for it uh i'm afraid they'll be like oh you don't naturally have like eyelashes that oh, you're not are porn the poodle? Of, yeah you're yeah, not yeah. a porn poodle oh yeah we got to put you down mm. this poodle's got to be put down no but uh no i i also like it's um yeah, I think character-wise, it's sort of a lot closer to the um, mentally ill gargoyle woman I am. Yeah. So we'll see. But I'm I'm really excited about it. And, I remember um, when he went away to do it, so it was like really- It overlapped you, with Glow. And you sent some, there were some pictures, very, you know, nondescript pictures of you and- uh, Right. Uh, looking crazy. Yeah, I look crazy. Well, it over, like, it was a big coup that they let, uh, I, you know, one of the rat faced people of television in a the lead in a movie. It was a crazy. I was playing the drunk mother in a dog movie sequel when I made a tape for it. And uh, what, what movie was that? Did people go see it? Dog's Journey. Is it out? Yeah, it's out. Okay. <laughs> Not, is that enough said? Uh, I mean, I play a woman who it's a it's a family dog movie, and I play a woman who. Um, is drunk the whole movie and hates dogs and children. I fat shame a nine-year-old in the movie and I kick a beagle in the face. Wow. Well, that well, that sounds like demon stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was demon <laughs> stuff. Oh, boy. We shot in Winnipeg. It was a, a dark time for me. <laughs> and so I auditioned for this movie and then when I got the part, I was like, holy shit, the like craziest version of my career that I never thought possible is maybe going to happen. And then it overlapped with Netflix and Netflix was going to maybe not let me do it. And I like got some male tunnel vision fuck you-ness. And I, and, but with the vulnerability of, I basically like used vulnerability balls and wrote letters for two months to Netflix like, executives and everyone. Yeah, I was like, picture a girl with a dream, <laughs> like, <laughs> like run on sentence college essays, yeah. and <laughs> and they made it. I mean, Cindy Holland is my savior. It's, uh, I can't believe she's in Netflix. There's two big shots. She's one of them. Yes. Yeah. And Ted Sarandos, yeah. who also. I mean, so yeah. I, oh, that's I great. Can't believe, yeah. Oh, did you thank her and send her uh, uh, flowers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I sent her a basket. Yeah, I'll be in her debt forever. An uh, uh, edible bouquet. Yeah. Some melons on sticks. But even after all that happened, I'm like, huh, really would like that cup of soil. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you got some soil. Yeah. This felt like soil. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> what what does that metaphor mean to you, cup of soil? Um. To me, it's like knocking down the vestibule door to go into the other f- metaphor. Like, oh, you feel like you need to you need to kind of look at a picture of reconnect. Jonestown. Right, I get it. Yeah. 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 
Well, what do you? I mean, it sounds like, but it sounds like uh, the work you did on there was, you know, pretty in the dirt. Yes, soily work. For sure. I guess I'm just being like, oh, maybe the point that I've been searching for is not to like find the work to channel the soil monster Patty Smith stuff into, but like to have that be just integrated into my life. That's in a the nice trick, way. man. Right. That's. I mean, that's like the hardest thing is like you know the soil monster is one thing. I mean, that's easier to integrate than the fucking child you've been protecting. Right. That's the hardest one for yes, me. I, yes, you know, that yes. if we're going to say this authentic self, like yeah. whoever you are emotionally or however you define your mental illness, yeah. <laughs> mine, you know, manifests itself as being, you know, incredibly emotionally immature, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. I know why. Selfish parents. And, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you put some other parent in place and it wasn't great. And, yeah. And so you just sort of, you know, guarded this fucking kid. And now, like, I'm 55 and that kid's 10. And it's like, how do I, you know, get that up to speed? Right. How does that integration come? Like I, you know, I'm sober a long time, so integrating demons and understanding them, you know, I can I I can live with them. Right. But the emotional thing that's harder. Well, do you feel like it's it's difficult to know when that child self feels safe because always you yeah. never I mean, had so you're like, I think we're good. Are we good? Yeah. Or are you still feeling like the kids like I'm scared? Well, it's not. It's weird because it's starting to happen because enough other stuff's in place. You yeah. know, okay, right. you know that there is a support system. We're all here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, we're everybody here and loves you. Yeah, right. And uh, you know, and he, and it, it comes out. You, you know, but it, it is. It has something to do with. It's a it's a man version, but it, it's sort of like, you know, how is that going to be received? How like do am, am I am I strong enough? To to not perceive any sort of question or look or or reaction to it as being an attack, mm-hmm. and the truth is, is like, yeah, I'm 55, you know, and nobody knows what I'm talking about, right? And they're usually thinking about themselves, and, right. and generally, yeah. if if that yes. kid gets through, they're sort of like, wow, what was that? Not like that's yeah, you're, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Or when you let when you're like, okay, it's safe for the kid to come out, and then you see a person zone out thinking about themselves, yeah, and the you're kid's like, like, I just saw that. Yeah, yeah. You don't like me. Yes, right. This is why I don't come out here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I just let it out in bits and pieces, and uh, it's it's weird, and I and I do assume. That what well, there's my problem is my kid's precocious and that's annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, any fucking ten year old who thinks he knows what he's talking about. So just... <laughs> Even your kid is precocious. Yeah. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> like I know he's annoying. Right. So like I don't know what to do about that. But... Right. Yeah. God. And my little kids like. Maybe when you look in the mirror, just look at parts of your face because I don't like the whole face. I'm like, what? That's insane. Yeah, when you're doing your makeup, like just look at the eye. Maybe even like hold a napkin in front of the lower part. Of your, you're like, you are fucked up. That's crazy. <laughs> and then I play women who are like, guess what I love? My whole face. <laughs> and the kids like, ah, people think we're like that in real life. That's so funny. So when you when your kids out, you know, it, it's basically saying like, I told her not to show herself her mouth. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. But then people see a curvy, severe-looking blonde woman, and they're like, "Oh, she's obsessed with herself." It's our job to be like, you know, take her down. Yes, 
And I'm that's, like, little I, do you know that I'm a, a seven-year-old, like... I can't stand that. I mean, I don't like it. I, I, it's like I, I feel bad about that. That you know, that actresses, especially or women, that like if they do anything, the, the attack mm-hmm. of fucking you know sexually repressed, insane men is like so immediate. It's, it's, it's so fucked up. Yes, it's just like we, I don't even have a comment board on our website anymore because anytime I'd have a female guest on, it was like, what? Who the fuck are these? People. Yeah, right. Where right. do they come from? Yes, yeah. I don't even get it. Yeah. I think it's they like think the- that me putting a subject and predicate together and being the breadwinner in my family is going to cancel out their existence when actually the only thing that's going to be extinct is misogyny. Like, you are not going to be extinct. The holder of that misogyny isn't going to be extinct. And by the way, it's going to take so fucking long for that to be extinct. But I and think the they're ending, like... so, like, you know, it's going to be like this weird competition between climate change and misogyny. The <laughs> world dying and misogyny dying. Yeah, exactly. Which one's going to go first? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's Does true. Does the world win? Right. Does but Mother like, Earth... Right. Win. Yeah. Ultimately, she will. We just might not be here. Right. Yeah. But me. <laughs> there's no more misogyny because there's no more people. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing that's going to cancel you yeah, out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not me self-actualizing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Good times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what do I got to do to you know we had a, a fairly you know intense exchange that you know i don't regret but maybe (laughs) earlier that maybe i i should reframe so if i'm gonna like start to listen to fish oh like if i'm gonna be like i'm going in Mm -hmm. because i still haven't right and i still get occasional pesterings of like go talk to trey i'm like i don't know anything he's done Mm -hmm. i understand he's great okay i'll let it i'll let that be yeah i think you should talk to trey but okay but like what like if i'm gonna be like all right i'm gonna do this you know someone sent me a book like you know the fish everything book. Mm-hmm. Like what? What do I? What do I go like? All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enter. What's the portal? Okay. Well, don't say a live show is not happening. It's. I don't think a live show is the portal. I've been, brought I, friends from, to a live show. They're like, but I've been to dead shows. I get it. Right. I mean, like I, you know, it's not going to be with some other planet to me. You yeah. Know, I, I've done my share of you know, you know, uh, trippy jigs. <laughs> trippy jigs. <laughs> uh, listener, he just did a trippy jig, and I'll never be the same. <laughs> Never be the same. <laughs> Good. There's a hammer here. Um, uh, you know, I will say this uh, um, as a precursor. I'm 33. My first concert was their last concert, air quotes. Yeah. That they were like, we're breaking up. And I was like, we've got to go. And I parked my car on the side of the highway with my friends. And we hiked 19 miles into their- 19? 19 miles into their last concert. Where is it, in Vermont? Mm-hmm. And our car got broken into, and I got flecks of glass in my face. But I was like, it was worth it, man. It was the last one. And then six months later, they were like, we're back together. Uh, what like, about these what scars? The fuck, guys? Yeah. yeah. Um. So, I mean, my husband, who's nine years older than me, has been to like 300 shows. So I, I am not a person who I, I fear the fish fan community. Yeah. Um, and I fear speaking on behalf of them. But I will what, only what speak about they are terrifying. There's a message board called uh, Fantasy Tour, I believe, that yeah. is they are they will rip apart anything but not based on gender just based on you don't know fish yeah okay right or like fish sucks they rip yeah. apart fish themselves oh really part th- but that's only on these message boards yeah. uh, the actual experience of a fish show you're surrounded by the most positive wonderful people anyway i for me 
it's people who a band who is I think I said this last time they have like a mathematical genius level understanding of their instrument and use that in the name of joy and exploration okay I get that what do I listen to I'll make you a mix oh okay yeah that's good really yeah I'll make you a mix all right and to me it's like it's a it's a it was a thing that in my formative years when I was having vestibule sex and not looking at my whole face vestibule in the mirror. Vestibule sex in cars? Yeah, vestibule Outdoors. sex in cars, in woods, yeah. at keg parties, <laughs> being like, this is so bad. Um, it's amazing how many things are in the vestibule. There's woods, there's cars, <laughs> and there are keg parties. Right. That's where it or all that's happens. All, that's on the other side of the vestibule after I've been like, I'm ready. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and the inner demon and inner child are bound and gagged in the basement. <laughs> but in that time, listening to that music was a way of kicking down the vestibule door and just having something for me that I could swim in the ocean of weird and be like, I'm not a porn poodle person. I'm not yeah. a replaceable shame Barbie. Yeah. I yeah. am... A uh, noodle who's uh, high on this LSD. Yeah. I'm a sweaty soil person. <laughs> yes, dancing. exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, sure. it's a way to eat soil. For sure. You know, now that I don't smoke weed from the second I wake up to the moment I go to sleep anymore, some of the 17 minute jams aren't as um, engaging, groundbreaking to yeah. me. <laughs> did you, how long did you, that was your thing? The weed? Wake and bake? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like, would find weed in my bra at oh, yeah. the end of every day. But happy about it. Happy about Load it. Load it up. Had, um, Load up the pipe. Yeah. I knew I had it. Exactly. I had glittery mushroom stickers all on the inside of my sob. 9,000. You don't smoke any weed anymore? I don't. It's... I I can't I I mean it's the same old lame story that everyone says I feel that it just now makes me anxious and doesn't it make the kid inside even more judgmental? Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Oh yeah. The that worst. it gives that kid oh. and the demon are like yeah. having a podcast together, being like yeah. alone in the house. Yeah. Like, I'm not going out there. Yeah. It's yeah. Lucky because we can talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> The kid's like, I'm not going out because I'm hideous. And the yeah. demon's like, I can make you more hideous if you want me to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. You're Sounds the only scary. other person in yeah. here. We're going to have to go get some food. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> how's uh, how's the uh, husband? The husband's good. He's Cosmo. In Cosmo. He's in nursing school. Oh, that's good. Right. He finally, He's not... Off uh, building huts and he's not building building huts. bathrooms. He's actually gonna In get Haiti. his nurse degree. Yeah, yes, yeah. So he's been sadly dissecting cats, which I don't think he would really what? like. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of cats around. I'm yeah. glad they're being used for for good. Yeah, the ones that don't make it. Yeah. Yeah. How's it? Was he? Is this the end of his first year? Or in he's in an accelerated program, so he's like right at the beginning of a two year thing. Yeah. And then he comes out a nurse. And then he comes out a nurse. And he, and what's he want to do? The hospital? Uh, I th- or, tra- yeah. or trauma nursing? Yeah, he and- wants to like stick his fingers in, in wounds and stuff. And, right. But, you know, in an ideal world, we'll have a couple kids, he'll be dad, and then go to like Doctors Without Borders, and I'll like go cry on camera for health insurance. And Yeah. And the kids will be like yeah, becoming actors and- 
<laughs> no. <laughs> I'm hoping that by the time I'm ready to be pregnant, I can program in loves math and business. <laughs> it's probably going to happen. Yeah. So what are you doing? Are you going to eat? <laughs> Yeah, sick of eating. <laughs> oh, I think we're. I think we've covered a lot. Great. Do you? Yeah. Yes. What are you going to do today? Probably eat something. Eat some fish. Right. Do you I, have to? Are you on? Oh, you got to go get porn poodled. I got to get porn poodled in order to then talk to Natasha, who I feel like is like straight to pass the vestibule, which I love. She paid her dues. Hell yeah. <laughs> To get past the vestibule. Yes. Her vestibule was a fucking disaster. (laughs) (laughs) The worst vestibule in the world. Right. Yeah. Dirty, horrible vestibule (laughs) she was in. (laughs) Yeah. I'm so happy for her. Happy for you. Are you excited about it? What do you you feel about the Emmys? Um, I feel excited about it, and I um, feel a little nervous about it, but also, like, I just don't. I don't know. I can't tell like what's r- real and what's not. Yeah. I know I'm not allowed to well, say that. But. No, but I'll tell you like what is real is that it's interesting to me because of, you know, you, you've been doing what you're doing for a long time, granted, but like you, you don't, like I don't, not that I can see it, but it doesn't seem like you play the game that hard and it seems like this, you know, the respect you're getting is earnest. Thanks, Mark. And you deserve it. Thank you, Mark. Well, I also feel like I just want to say, like, I, I, I again want to say I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> like I see exactly who your scroll self is, and, and it's beautiful. You. Thank you. Yours, too. Now you got to get out of my house. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Wasn't that fun? Isn't she amazing? Betty Gilpin of Glow. And many other things that we talked about, but uh, she is with me, and she and we do some good work together on season three of Glow, Glow, Glow. Go to wtfpod.com/tour for all of my tour dates in September and October. You can go to sortoftrust.com to see where it's playing near you and watch it on demand. All right, me and Del Rey are gonna go blow some minds in Houston now. Boomer lives. <laughs>